good to be with you and share again this morning. Sometimes I feel at my age it's good to be anywhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord that he continues to give me strength and uh, I'll keep serving him as long as he does that. And uh, it's just a joy to come and share with you and to see you so excited about the Word of God. This morning I'd like to uh, draw your attention to a, a subject that I believe that is so often overlooked in the evangelical church today and uh, a problem that faces us head-on that is so destructive and detrimental to the cause of Christ, and that is standing for truth. Standing for truth. In, jo- in, the, in the book of Jude, chapter, uh, chapter 1, That'll throw you. There's only one chapter. Um, In verse 3, he says, Beloved, talking to his fellow believers, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing to that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Back some time ago in Christianity Today, there was an article that disturbed me greatly. Uh, It's about Rob and Kristen Bell. Rob Bell is the pastor of Mars Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It is the largest church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it's only been in existence for about 15 years or less. Listen to what this article says. It says the Bells, Rob and Kristen, found themselves increasingly uncomfortable with the church. Life in the church had become so small. Kristen says it worked for me for a long time, then it stopped working. The Bells started questioning their assumptions about the Bible itself, discovering the Bible as a human product, as Rob puts it, rather than the product of divine decree. The Bible is still the center for us, Rob says, but it's a different kind of center. We we want to embrace mystery rather than conquer it. I grew up thinking we'd figured out the Bible, Kristen says, that we, knew what it me- that we knew what it meant. Now I have no idea what most of it means, and yet I feel like life is big again, like life used to be black and white, and now it's in color. And I'm thinking, how ridiculous. How ridiculous. I heard this same pastor on an interview on television back about three years ago in Grand Rapids, and he was asked this question among others. Do you believe there is any other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ? And he said, probably. And I'm thinking, what don't you get about neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. What doesn't he understand about that? But that's part of a movement today, which I'm sure some of you are familiar with, probably most of you call the Emerging Church. And their basic premise is that the Bible was written for the culture of the first century. Now we need to adapt it to the culture of the 21st century. And that's extremely dangerous. And so issues, when it comes to the election... The issues that are most important are the economy and my well-being because I live in a society of self-gratification rather than issues like killing the unborn and accepting the perversion of homosexuality. That's where we are today, folks, in the church. 
The idea that the Christian message should be kept pliable and ambiguous seems especially attractive to young people who are in tune with the culture and in love with the spirit of the age, says John MacArthur in his book, The Truth War. And by the way, if you haven't read that, it's an excellent book. It'll, it'll, it'll call you to attention. The problem is much of the visible church nowadays seems to think Christians are supposed to be at play rather than at war. Peter addresses that in, or Timothy, Paul addresses that in 2 Timothy 4, where he says to young Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desire, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Preach the Word. That's the important thing. And understand the Word. Take it at face value. Get into it. Uh, I, as a pastor, often had people come to me and say, uh, with some sense of pride, (laughs) I read the Bible through this year. Well, that's admirable. And you ought to read it through. You ought to have the understanding of what it says in its entirety. Uh, but so often people start reading the Bible through and they get to about the 10th chapter of Genesis where so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so and they get bogged down and they don't know where they're going. They get into the minor prophets and because they don't understand the context of the passage, they don't have a clue what it's talking about. My question is, did you study the Bible? You know that if you're an average reader just an average reader, not a speed reader, just an average reader, and you read the Bible for 30 minutes every day for 365 days, you'd read it through in six, you'd read through the Bible six times in a year. How, how long do we watch television? See, the problem is we don't know the Word of God. A couple of years ago, uh, we moved to Tennessee. Um, the weather is wonderful, the scenery is great, uh, the churches are pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. Here and there, there's a bright spot. There is talk in our capital of a bill that would prohibit hate speech, which would include speaking anything against such things as abortion or homosexuality, even from the pulpit. I listened to a tape, a young pastor in in our area and next town over uh, preached, and uh, he's an unusual individual because he really preaches the word. And he said this to his rather large congregation. He said, I'm going to preach the word no matter what. He says, I'm going to stand for truth. He says, we are in a battle. And he said, when they come in here, and arrest me for preaching the truth and drag me down the aisle, maybe it'll wake some of you folks up. And we certainly need a wake-up call in the church today. Uncertainty is the new truth. Whatever works for you is fine. Well, what you believe is fine, but, you know, this is what I believe. Through the course of our ministry and the sign ministries and our travels, I often, way too often, had pastors say to me, I never preach on the book of the Revelation. 
I don't, I don't need that controversy. In other words, don't make waves. Just have things go. Well, I'll tell you, if you're preaching the truth, you're going to make waves. You're going to make waves. Today, people want to come to church to feel good. Back a number of years ago, many years ago, I was pastoring in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and had this lady came, come into church. She was an older lady, a widow, and uh, she came to church for a couple of Sundays. And uh, my wife and I would always go to the door and stand as people went out. And, and our, our church was smaller back in those days. And uh, we never got to greet her. I, I always wondered, what happened to her? And so then she didn't show up for a while. And so I went out to, to her home to visit her and uh, talked with her for a little while. And I said, I noticed that uh, you haven't been coming lately. And she says, well, I'm not coming back. And I said, well, what's the problem? She says, I go to church to feel good, and every time I come to your church, I end up feeling bad. And I thought, huh-huh, I know what your problem is. <laughs> and a half hour later, she had received Christ, and after that, we couldn't keep her out of the church. <laughs> she was there for every meeting. You see, a transformation has to take place. The truth has to have its effect in, in, in the life. Uh, Jude here is writing to the, the, the beloved, and he really is interested in talking to them about this great salvation that we have. But he said there's a more important issue. There's a more important issue. The Holy Spirit leads him to instruct the believers to stand against apostasy. And it is prevalent today. We have, and, and believe me, I'm a pastor's man because I've been a pastor for a long time, and I, I love to support the pastors, but I hear too many pastors trying to pacify the people rather than teach the people. Teach the people the Word of God. remember one pastor telling me about the, the passage on preach the Word. He says, people in my congregation say, how come you never preach on Halloween? He says, as soon as I find it in the Bible, I'm going to put a message together on it. <laughs> you know, preach the Word. And by the way, when you preach the Word and when you do it expositorily and when you study it that way, verse by verse, you cover every issue. The Bible covers every issue. You just have to, to uh, uh, go through the Word. He re it's interesting that Jude uh, urges his readers to contend earnestly. Uh, the meaning here is, is to fight with great strength, to defend with great strength. In other words, this is not going to be easy. You're going to have to stand up. Uh, someone said, uh, I think it was Benjamin Franklin, who said, if you stand for the truth, there are times you'll have to stand alone. You'll have to stand alone. The Word of God is truth. And we've come to the place today in most evangelical churches where the thought is the Word of God contains truth. No, it is truth. All of it. All of it. And the reason that people don't understand eschatology is they're unwilling to compare the Scripture in the Old Testament with the Scripture in the New Testament, we've come so used to the divisions in Scripture with the, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the chapters, the verses, uh, that uh, we, uh, we, we don't understand what it's talking about. Uh, if you put it all together, it works. If you want to understand the day of the Lord, which, which we've talked a lot about here in, this, in these sessions, you must understand what the book of Joel has to say. Because the book of Joel's context is the day of the Lord. And so you, you need to understand this and put it together. Uh, there are many different denominations, but there's only one faith. 
that faith refers to the content, if you will, of Christianity. Uh, the revelation of God, the whole body of teaching that makes up the Word of God. The area we're in too often on Sunday is I've heard these messages and it's, you know, to a pastor who believes in the Word and teaches the Word, uh, I get a little squirming in my seat when I hear these kind of things. But so often I hear pastors down in our area will read a verse of Scripture and then preach a little topical sermonette and in doing so even take the passage they read out of context. And uh, uh, I have uh, had the opportunity in the last uh, four months to teach the book of the Revelation on, on Sunday nights uh, to a, a congregation in, in uh, Tennessee. And there was absolutely no argument. I mean, I taught pre-wrath. Nobody argued because nobody had a clue what the book of the Revelation was talking about. And some of these people had been members of that church all their lives. And they didn't understand it at all. And they're coming to me like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, I never saw that before. They hadn't been taught. And that's a shame. That's a shame. And it's happening way too often in our churches today. We need to realize that, that all Christians are in a war for the purity of the Christian faith, the once delivered to the saints' faith. There, there, there's no new revelation being added. You know, I hear people going around all the time saying, well, I had this Word from God, and it's contradictory to the Word of God. No, you didn't have a Word from God. I don't know what you had, but it wasn't from God. Uh, it may have been from the God of this world, but it wasn't God, because God will not give you something that's contradictory uh, to His Word, which is truth. And Ephesians or in Titus chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, Paul urges Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. He uses the word fight. Now, I grew up in the city in Milwaukee, I grew up in the inner city of Milwaukee, and uh, I never was much of a fighter. I learned very, very early on that uh, running was better than fighting, and uh, I became a fast runner. <laughs> uh, uh, but there were times that I had to fight for what I believed. I grew up in a German-Jewish neighborhood. Uh, my two friends that were my age that lived on my block's name were Asher Cornfield and Leland Klipstein. And those are not Gentiles, folks. And uh, Asher, who is now a physician in Milwaukee, uh, loved sports. He really wanted to play softball. But he didn't have an athletic bone in his body. Uh, he just was not good at it. And I don't know what caused me. I, I think I've thought about this a lot. Maybe, maybe it was the hand of God. Uh, but as a teenager in junior high school... Uh, I got in a couple of pretty good battles defending Asher because no one else would because I knew that what they were doing to him was wrong, so I stood for the truth. We need to stand for truth. What do you believe? I, I have asked so many people, and I, Charles has had this same experience, uh, so many people, why do you believe what you believe? And you know what the number one answer is? That's what I've been taught. That's what I've been taught. 
and we don't always get what we've been taught straight. And certainly we, we're not like the Bereans who eagerly receive the Word of God and search the Scriptures daily to see if it's so. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that's not ashamed. We just don't spend time in the Word. Somebody asked me one time, well, well how do I do that? Well, there, there's some simple formulas. One that I often use is if you, and it works for me, if you want to study the Word of God and uh, you're, you haven't before, why don't you start out with a book like First John? A little short book, you can read it in 20 minutes. Read it every day for a month. Now, some of you would be brighter than I am, but about the 27th of the month, I start to say, oh, that's what that means. <laughs> and then after a month of reading First John, then I go to the Gospel of John. It's got 21 chapters. Read the first seven every day for a month. And then read the next seven every day for a month. And then the next seven every day for a month. And after three months, you begin to get a little bit of a handle on what John's talking about. And you know what will happen the more you read, the more you'll begin to say, I wonder what that means. And you get the Strong's Concordance out and you'll start, you'll start getting into it. You'll start studying it. And then you see how it applies to life and how it works. God gave us His Word not just simply to give us uh, a revelation of history and the acts of God, but He gave us the Word of God so that it might work in and through us. I don't want to steal Charles's thunder later on. I've read his book. <laughs> And, and you ought to read it, by the way. I highly recommend it. Uh, but faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. If you, want to, if you want to have faith to be able to stand in a time of difficulty, you need to know what the Word of God says. You know, my wife and I have had the privilege of being together, being married now for over 53 years. And uh, I know, I'm beginning to know her pretty well. And you know what? I have total trust in my wife. Total trust. You know how I do? I know her really well. And if we get to know the Savior that way, you know what? We have total trust. And when we don't have trust, it says we don't know Him very well. We don't know Him very well. How can we contend for the faith when we really don't know what it is? We really don't know what it is living as we do in the age of apostasy, which I believe promises to become even worse, that we must know how to contend for the faith and stand against the rising tide of false teaching. My first suggestion would be to study the Word of God. It's basic. It's wonderful today we have all kinds of tools, but I think one of the things that's greatly lacking among so many Christians and a Really, folks, I'm not trying to be critical this morning, but I'm just looking at reality. What's lacking among so many Christians is a spirit of discernment. I hear people talking about this pastor or that pastor, and I think, don't you know they're teaching false doctrine? You know, uh, be a little more discerning. I had the privilege of working for a number of years with, with Robert Van Campen, and uh, he had a wonderful mind uh, before we make him too high up. He was human. He was like anyone else. He had his strengths and weaknesses, but he had a tremendous mind. And uh, he, was, he was quite discerning about where he gave that money that the Lord had given him. Uh, he would give generously, very generously, but he was very careful where he did it. 
because he wanted to give it where people were standing on the word of God, standing for truth. And we're often too not too, often not too discerning. I mean, you can listen to some of these health, wealth, and prosperity guys, and they sound great, but they're not the folks you ought to be sending your money to. Uh, you need to contend for the faith. You need to stand for truth. And then we must give uh, an unflinching and unhesitating witness to the truth of the Word of God. The Bible's under attack from many sides. We need not only speak up in its defense, but also proclaim its message of salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm pleased that in some circles I'm seeing movement in this area. Uh, I'm in the midst of the Southern Baptist, and uh, what an eye-opening experience. Uh, But there is a group called the Founders uh, within the Southern Baptist, and they're saying, let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to the truth of the Word of God. And they are being highly criticized. They're being highly criticized because they want to get back to the Word of God. You see where we are? And, and it's, so, it's happened in such a way that it's been so subtle. It just kind of, it's like the old frog in the frying pan. And you put that frog in there in the cold water and he just sits there and you heat the water up and he continues to sit, sit, sit there until he boils. And that's what's happening to us. And we need to be on guard. And the reason I'm sharing this with you folks this morning because I know that there's a spirit of discernment because you've been willing to study the Word of God and see the truth of the Word of God. And when you study it at face value, you know, I had somebody... Uh, tell me just recently, if, 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 if you study the Word of God at face value, you're going to come out being pre-wrath because that's, it, it runs through the Scripture. It's there. Uh, it, you know, if I was to vote, and then Charles alluded to this yesterday, if we were to vote for the timing of the rapture, we'd all vote for it. Let's have it today. <laughs> you know, let's go. But that's not what Scripture says. That's not what Scripture says. I've had the opportunity uh, to, uh, as Charles has, of doing a lot of work overseas. And I remember uh, doing a pastor's conference in Hyderabad, India. Uh, We had about a thousand pastors and their their wives. Uh, Interesting experience because you teach for an hour and you feel just there's no air conditioning in the church and uh, the the air is not all that clean (laughs) and you feel just kind of washed out and you think, I need a break. And you say, let's take a break. And the whole congregation says, no, 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 keep going, keep going, as they're hungry for the truth. Uh, during one of the sessions there, a pastor came up to me. I found out later that he had ridden the bicycle 40 miles to come to that conference and stayed overnight and slept on a cement floor. And he came up to me and he said, Pastor, he said, you're talking about standing for truth. And he said, there's two things Americans don't know very much about. He said, one is sacrifice, and the other is suffering. And boy, was he right. Was he right. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29, it says, not only are we to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but be willing to suffer for his name. I don't know about you, but... uh, uh, maybe it's just uh, having been around too long. But uh, I go to a prayer meeting and I hear all of these requests 
and 99.9 .9 deal with physical ailments and health. And then I read the scriptures and I read what the Apostle Paul prayed for and I read that 99.9% .9 of his prayers dealt with spiritual health. And I think we're missing it. Rather than praying for physical health, and physical health is important to all of us, but much more important is where we are in our relationship with God. The church of Jesus Christ and the number of churches that there are in America today who claim to be biblical ought to be having a greater effect upon our society than what we're having. You see, what has happened is that the world has infected the church rather than the church affecting the world. Because the church has become a place where I need my ears tickled, as Paul said rather than standing for the truth. We can fight the battle against apostasy by, by encouraging and supporting those who are faithful. Faithful pastors, faithful ministries, um, those who honor the Word of God. And praise God, there are still some of those about. I had two pastors call me back a few months ago. I didn't know them. Uh, pastor gave me his name and he said, told me he's in Shelbyville, Tennessee. That's the next town over from us, about 20 miles for you folks who are not familiar, that's the capital of the Tennessee walking horses, uh, Shelbyville, Tennessee. And uh, these two pastors called and they said, we'd like to have lunch with you. Sure, I said, I'll, I'll come over. So we made an appointment. I went over and had lunch and we talked about some things. And I said, now it's interesting, uh, you asked me to come over for lunch, there must be something on your mind. <laughs> uh, well, what is it? And they said to me, uh, we understand you know John MacArthur. And I thought, well, that's an interesting question. I said, well, yes, I do. I had the opportunity to serve for 15 years on the Board of Trustees of the Master's College and Seminary. I know John quite well. And they said, well, we've been out to his Shepherds Conference, and it's changed our whole thought of ministry because everything there is focused on teaching the Word of God. And the, uh, central is the Word of God. And he said, within our sphere here, Everything's focused on how much money we can give to the cooperative fund. You see the difference? And I'm thankful that there are those pastors here and there who are waking up, if you will, and recognizing the truth of the Word of God, but they're few and far between. I don't, I'm, I, I don't care what denomination it is. It's true in all the denominations. Uh, they, they've, you know, I used to be able, you used to be able to say, well. He's Baptist or he's Lutheran or he's Presbyterian and you've had a pretty, idea, pretty good idea of what they believe. Today that doesn't work because the churches have, have so, so many churches have so, walked so far away from the Word of God. I think another thing that's, that's extremely important to us and that's really part of this whole ministry and that is that we can fight the fight of faith by training more people uh, to be diligent in the Word of God and for leadership in ministry, particularly in the local church. One of the things that I noticed and I learned from Bob Van Campen was you better have a love for the Word of God. Um, Bob would literally wear out a Bible in less than a year.
I mean, when he got excited about something, he couldn't turn the pages fast enough, and if they tore out, that's okay. I mean, he was just, and he wrote all over in it. You know, some people say, well, I don't want to write in my Bible. Uh, that's how you study it. If it wears out, the Christian bookstore has a new one you can buy. You know, get into it. Bob had one of the largest privately owned Bible manuscript collections in the world. And he loved pastors. And uh, shortly before he passed away, uh, three pastors visited us. And uh, I took them over to the scriptorium, which was then in Grand, Grand Haven, Michigan, and uh, to show them the collection. And I called Bob, and I said, Bob, I know you're not feeling very well, but I know how you love pastors, and I have three pastors who are going over to the scriptorium with me right now. And if you would like, uh, uh, why don't you come on down and, and meet them? I said, if you're not up to it, that's fine. And when we got over there, he was there <laughs> waiting for us. And he, he, he really didn't know much about the manuscripts. He did it just, he collected them just for his love for the Word of God, and they collected people around him who knew a lot about it. But he had one Bible he wanted to show all the pastors. And I think this points out what I've been talking to you about this morning. It was one of these large Bibles from the 1700s. You know, one of those big Bibles. And it was like brand new. Now, most of those old Bibles, you know, they show some wear. But this Bible was like brand new. He says, see this Bible? He took it out of the case and opened it carefully. and It's like brand new. He said, this Bible belonged to two popes in the Catholic Church. And that's what's wrong with the Catholic Church. They never read it. You get the point? Contend for the faith, folks. Don't be embarrassed about what you believe when you study and find the truth in the Word of God. Be willing to stand for it. There are things I would die for. The inerrancy of the Word of God, the deity of Christ, the salvation through Jesus Christ and Him alone, His shed blood on Calvary's cross. Now whether you want to baptize somebody by sinking them under the water or sprinkling the water on the top of the head, we might fuss about that, but I'm not going to die for that. And so often in our churches, it's those fringe things that cause us division. Today, the most divisive issue in the church is church music. And it's divisive. And so down in our area, in our 10-mile radius, we have six Baptist churches, all of them struggling. What a testimony to the community. Here's six Baptist churches who claim to know and teach the Word of God and they can't get, none of them get along with each other. You know, what's that all about? And we get so hung up on our holy hang-ups rather than dealing with the serious issues in the Word of God. And folks, when a third of the Bible is prophetic and speaking about those things which are yet to come, it's a serious issue. In First Thessalonians chapter five, where it's talking about the thief, uh, Christ coming as a th the day of the Lord coming as a thief in the night to the unbelievers, to they and them, he says, "But not to you, brethren, be alert and sober." You've heard that word "sober" a lot, haven't you? This week, it's talking about being serious. It's not talking. It's, it's not talking there about abstaining from alcoholic beverages. 
It's talking about being serious about this. And we're not very serious about it today. And we're living in the midst of the precursor to the 70th week of Daniel. And so many Christians are going to be so unprepared because we haven't contended for the faith. Stand for truth, no matter what the cost. You know, dying isn't the worst thing that could happen to you. (laughs) May God bless you as you go from this place standing for truth. Like the old southern evangelist Vance Havner said, there's just too many Christians today sitting on, the prom- sitting on the premises instead of standing on the promises. We need to be standing on the promises of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that you've given it to us. And Father, your apostle Paul tells us that you've given it to us for our understanding in Second Corinthians. And so often we think we need... Uh, a seminary education or uh, some special teacher in order to understand the Word of God. And Father, those things you've given to us and they're helpful, but you've given us the indwelling Holy Spirit who enlightens us as we study. And so Father, I pray that these dear folks might realize the importance of standing for truth in a day when it's not popular. But Father, that's part of faithfulness and you've called us to be faithful. We ask your blessing now as we continue in this morning. Uh, Might your name be glorified. Might your will be done. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.